Okay. Can you hear me all right? Well, this is not going to be an evening about me coming in, telling you what I think God's saying for you people here, as individually or as a church. So, uh, if you want to leave, you can leave now. <laughs> That's disappointing. Because hopefully this is going to be an evening about all of us hearing what God is saying for this next phase of church life in Jubilee Teesside. So, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the whole realm of moving in spiritual gifts, why we do that, why, why do we prophesy, what's the point, and then we're going to go for it. Raj tells me you're up for anything. <laughs> so it's his fault. <laughs> so I'm going to start by reading from Romans 12. The first... 11 verses or so. Okay. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honour, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practising hospitality. So as we read that passage in Romans 12, Paul has spent chapters 1 to 11, the whole 11 chapters prior to that, setting out the glory of what Jesus has done. He sets out the big picture of God's overarching plan for the church and the whole of creation, not just the church. So he's just reached this chapter 12 that we've read those verses from 
And now Paul's directing us to what is our response to that whole 11 chapters. What is our response to this great plan that Jesus has got, that God has got? Well, our response should be to give ourselves as a living sacrifice of worship to God. And part of that worship is to be working out our salvation as part of a living body, a living community. That's part of our worship. And so Paul here is setting out what life should look like as we all contribute to the life of the church. He's making the argument that individual abilities or talents or gifts are for use within the body. The point being that whatever special talents or gifts a person has, it's not to make him or her look good. You know, well, I've got speaking in tongues, or I've got prophecy. <laughs> um, and it's not about special status, but it's a gift of grace. And that gift of grace is given for serving the rest of the body. So we all need to understand the concept of what it means to be body together. You know, a guy called C.H. Dodd says it's time for us to escape from an individualist outlook. And in the Western world anyway, we tend to be very, very individual, individually focused. So Paul is telling us that the body is a unit made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, yet they form one body. And so in this reading that we've read, we see that there's variety of gifting. And it's not just prophecy or healings, those things that kind of catch our attention, the more sensational things, but acts of service, giving, leading, these things are all equally gifts of God. Sometimes we don't think of them as spiritual gifts, but nevertheless they are God's grace gifts among us. And in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, this is what Peter says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do so as one speaking the words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God, God provides, so that in all things God may be raised, praised right, through Jesus Christ. So the whole purpose of any gift is to equip and strengthen the church, that she might be the witness to the world that she's meant to be. Therefore, all the gifts, including prophecy, are acts of service. Okay? And because we're all part of the body, we all have a part to play. There are no spare parts in this body. So, you know, I haven't got a spare heart tucked under this armpit ready. Doing nothing, waiting. I haven't got a spare eye in the back of my head, although my daughter, growing up, used to wonder. <laughs> but no, every part of my body has a function, has a task, 
has a job to do. There are no spare parts. Equally, in the community, in the body, there are no spare parts. Everybody is needed and unique. So every one of you is a functioning, needed, unique part of this body here in Jubilee Teesside. And in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul, in speaking about the gifts, says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In other words, gifts are given to each one of us to encourage and strengthen everyone. And as referenced earlier, it's the Holy Spirit who gives the gifts. We cannot earn them in any way or shape or form. They are grace gifts, gifts that he freely gives. And neither do we decide which ones we will have. Oh, okay, then I've got this big list. Well, like the, like the sound of miracles, I like that one. And I, I like the sound of... I like the sound of leading, I'll have that one. Now, we are called upon to eagerly desire the gifts, especially that we might prophesy. So it's good to ask for and it's good to desire gifts. But actually it's God who freely gives them as he wills. So it's good to remember that. And elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 12, we're exhorted to seek the greater gifts. Now, what on earth does the greater gifts mean? Maybe, maybe I have got it wrong. Maybe miracles is top of the list. The greatest gift ever. And maybe healing comes under that. And so on. What does it mean, the greater gifts? Well, actually, they are those gifts that build up the church or strengthen the church more so. Those greater gifts are those gifts that bring the most encouragement at any point in time to this body of believers. So the greater gifts could change from meeting to meeting or because the greater gifts are what we need right now to build up the body. 1 Corinthians 14 says, Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. Excel in gifts that build up the church. Those gifts are the greater gifts. So having been given gifts, well, we need to use them. I suppose that's an obvious point. But actually, in practice, so often we can pray for the gifts for week after week after week. Maybe we are eagerly desiring to prophesy, so we're praying for prophecy. And then one day it feels like all of a sudden I've got this word. Mm. And then I start thinking, mm. well, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's not from God. Mm. Maybe I've made it up. So we get a little bit kind of ambivalent and a little bit kind of schizophrenic about it, you know. We're praying for the gifts, we want the gifts, we receive the gifts, and then we think, well, I'm not sure. Maybe not. (laughs) So, having been given gifts, we need to use them. The gifts require us to step out in faith. 
And as we do that, we will grow in our faith. As we use them more, we will grow more and more and more in that particular thing. And we will learn the nuances of it. And we use that gift in proportion to our faith. So in other words, we step out according to what we have faith for, rather than straining for something that's far beyond our faith. So for instance, in praying for the sick, we're probably not likely to command a major terminal cancer to go from this person if I've never prayed for a sick person before. It's possible. But probably what might happen is I get a sense of something and are you struggling with some sickness? Well, let's pray and then God heals and that gives us more faith. And as we start stepping out more and more, we grow in our faith and then maybe one day we command the terminal cancer to go. Do you see what I mean? We grow in our faith as we step out in proportion to our faith. Whatever we have faith for, that we need to step out in, even if it seems a very small thing. Let's step out in it. Think about the story in the Bible where the friends, um, I don't know how many of them were, so let's say four friends, for instance, have got the, their friend on, the, on this mat, this, this kind of stretcher. And this friend is paralysed. And these four friends are wanting to get him to Jesus because they've seen that Jesus does miracles and if Jesus prays for him or touches him or does something to him, he'll get off this stretcher and he'll walk. These friends have got faith and they've got their faith is, let's get him to Jesus. And that's what they stepped out on. We will get him to Jesus. That's, the, that's it. So in stepping out in their faith, they make a hole in the roof and lower in in front of Jesus because that's the only way they can do it. And you know what? Their faith is rewarded. They see their friend get up and walk. So even if it seems a little thing, we step out in it because that can lead to bigger things. And so we learn how to step out in our faith. And we're a faith community together. We are born of faith. Now you might not feel like that at this point on a Saturday evening at the end of a busy week. You might kind of feel a little bit out of touch with anything spiritual going on at the minute. You know, maybe it's, oh, it's been a busy week. But you are born of faith. And you're born into the community of faith. And therefore the Holy Spirit is at work among us. We've just sung a song about asking the Holy Spirit to be here, to fill this place. But actually, it's not about filling this place. It's about filling us. We're the place that he fills. You know? And because we are faith people, a faith community, the Holy Spirit is part of us, each one of us, together. So we can trust, therefore, that God will speak to us and he will give us gifts and he will cause us to come through to acts of faith, whatever they are for each one of us. And he will speak into this community, he will speak into this body. Because 
we are all a prophetic people. Raj just kind of came out with that phrase earlier. Every single one of us are part of a prophetic people. And prophetic means revelation in its widest sense. It's not just about going to the front of a, a service on a Sunday morning and giving a word, in inverted commas. Prophetic is the wideness of this community of faith-filled, Holy Spirit-full people living in this world. Even if you, as an individual believer, have never given a word of prophecy in the classic sense, nevertheless, you are part of a prophetic people. You are a prophetic person. And you might think, no, not me. No, you are. You are born into something that is prophetic. The church, the community of believers is a prophetic community. Revelation 19 and verse 10 says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Which means that Jesus is central to everything that is prophetic. Everything that testifies about Jesus is prophetic. And that which bears witness to Jesus, again testifying, bearing witness to Jesus, speaking of Jesus, giving a picture of Jesus, is prophetic. In that sense, together, we bear witness to the world of Jesus and therefore we are a prophetic people. So even when you're sat next to your work colleague, you're doing your job, he's doing his job, you are a prophetic person and there's light coming from you because you will do your job in a different way to how your colleague who is not a Christian does his job. You have different values, you come from a different standpoint, whether you realise it or not, you are being light in that place. You know, you who live next door, you know, young mum living next door to another young mum, you are being a prophetic person. Every conversation you have with your neighbour over the garden fence, something will be in that that's different. We all together are the body of Christ and we all together are part of the kingdom of God, a prophetic people. All together we are a sign to the world of the rule, the reign and the authority of God in the earth. So whether you feel prophetic or not tonight, sat there at the end of your busy week, you are. And it's not about having to come to the front and have the word. So I want every one of you to be caught up in this thing of, yeah, I'm part of this prophetic people. So as we use the gifts that God has given us as individuals, whatever they are, whether they're serving, giving, leading, prophesying, uh, pastoring, whatever they are, then that which we've been given has God's authority about it. As we use those gifts, God's authority is made known. And the kingdom is revealed and the kingdom is advanced. Because we live for a time when the kingdom comes in its fullness. So we pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And one day it will come on earth in the same way that it is in heaven. 
But right now we live in this kind of in-between time. We have the promise of something to come, but it's not yet coming in its fullness. And the decisive victory point in the whole of history wasn't the point that's yet to come. The decisive victory point in the whole of history was the point of the death and resurrection of Christ. The point where God's kingdom was inaugurated. And the kingdom will finally come in its fullness at the second coming of Christ. But right now we are in this in-between. We live now with the not yet in view. So we live now, but we're looking for that not yet to come. And the spiritual gifts are a kind of taster of what is to come. What does the age to come look like? Wayne Gruden says, in this way, gifts of insight and discernment prefigure the much greater discernment we will have when Christ returns. Gifts of knowledge and wisdom prefigure the much greater wisdom that will be ours when we know as we are known. Gifts of healing give a foretaste of the perfect health that will be ours when Christ grants resurrection bodies. The gifts are like tools or weapons as well in the battle in the battle to press on towards the goal, to keep living in this tension between the now and the not yet. The gifts become like a tool or a weapon to help us in that. So, okay, what about using them? Well, firstly, we have to believe that God does give them to us. You know, you can believe subconsciously that God will give them to everyone else except me because somehow I'm not really worthy and you put yourself outside but actually no he gives each one of his prophetic community he's a father who loves his children and he's encouraged us as I said earlier to earnestly desire these gifts Matthew 7 11 says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In other words, when your kids ask you for something, that's within reason, I suppose, (laughs) you will try and honour that, you will try and give them that. You don't give them some horrible thing instead and tease them. The Father gives us the gifts when we ask him. So when we want to hear from him, let's be expectant to hear from him because he said that he will speak to us. He said that his sheep hear his voice. And we're all his sheep. We can all hear his voice. And, of course, as I said earlier, we have to step out. When we, when we feel that God has given us a gift, we have to have uh, the faith to step out in those gifts. But then we also have to learn to simply be ourselves. It's really easy sometimes, you know, to try and emulate others who we think can do this better. You know, so we'll see someone 
operating in a gift and we'll think, oh, I want to do it like that. And then we can try and emulate this person. But actually, we need to just be ourselves. Not being put off by those who seem to do things better than us. Neither trying to do things better than others. Just being ourselves. Because the enemy will always try to either get us to feel superior to others, or if he can't get it to work at that level, he'll then start to make us feel incapable and inadequate and not as good as others. <coughs> so actually we need to just learn to kind of let go and be ourselves in God, because our adequacy comes from him. We don't have to feel adequate and able. We can know a God who is adequate and a God who is able and a God who will input to us something that is for this group of people. We move out simply. As I said, the friends that brought, uh, brought their friend to Jesus, well, how on earth are we going to do this? We can't get anywhere near one. Well, let's just make a hole in the roof. They just get on with it. <laughs> We just, we just get on with it. We do things simply. There's no need for special voices, set methods, or silly manoeuvres. You know, in the whole prophetic scene, I've seen it all. I've seen people that feel that unless you're banging the platform with a stick so many times before you speak, it's not prophetic. Or unless you put on a really strange voice... Or speak really loudly and shout over everybody. And it's not God. But actually, we just need to be ourselves. God uses us in who we are as those unique individuals he's made us to be. It is in our ordinariness that the extraordinary nature and power of God is seen. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Folks, it's not you and I that's extraordinary. It's not you and I that are supernatural. It's our God was extraordinary. It is our God who is supernatural. And he, for some reason that we will never understand, has chosen us, filling us with his spirit, and chooses to work through us. So we can see the extraordinary and the supernatural happening through ordinary you and me. Yes? Yeah? So let's be ourselves. And also we have to persevere. If we step out and we feel we've got it wrong or we feel we've tripped up, well, we get up and we step out again. Yeah? We don't kind of run for our cave, refuse to ever come out and never speak again. We become able in a thing by using it. So fluency in language comes by speaking it constantly. Yeah? So some of you here who have had to learn English, that will be growing as you use it. Similarly, as we step out in our gift, it grows as we use it. So ability and leading grows by the constancy of leading. You know? If you're, well, you were all leaders of one sort or another, aren't you? But think about the first day you became a leader and think back and think, gosh, all those mistakes I made. 
And you'll probably still make mistakes, but you grow to be more and more able as a leader as you fulfil that and step out in it despite your mistakes. So, constancy and leading. Ability and leading grows by constancy and leading. Miraculous healings come by never giving up praying for the sick. Yeah? I must have prayed for hundreds of people to be healed before I actually saw one healed. And incidentally, on the other side of the coin, I must have had hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of prayers for me to be healed before the day came when I was healed. So equally, we never give up believing to be healed. Yeah? And faith for finance grows as we continually respond to God in giving. If we want to grow in faith for finance, start giving more and more and more, and he will give you faith for the finance. He's the giver of good gifts, and latent or active, those gifts are present in each one of us. Yeah? And another useful tip, if you like, is to make use of the gift that is for you to build yourself up, which is the gift of tongues. We build ourselves up through speaking in tongues. The Bible says that tongues is not speaking to men but to God. And we're also t told in Romans about the groanings that cannot be uttered and the whole thing that goes on in in our spirits as the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, through us. And you know, when I first became a Christian and first was baptised in the Spirit and spoke in tongues, we talked about 40 plus years ago, so I'll not dwell on that too long so that you can work out my age, but <clears throat> a long time ago. That kind of thing was, was just coming into the UK. It was like God was waking the church up to what the gifts of the Spirit are and what they're about and what they're for. And so the gift of tongues was starting to come into the churches. But many, many, many people didn't think it was good, didn't think it was right. And people around at the time, like myself and others, Terry Virgo will speak about this. We fought a major battle to be able to be free to speak in tongues in our prayer life. I was actually not only thrown out of the church that I went to, my, my husband and I, we were thrown out of the church because we spoke in tongues and, and I prophesied. And not only that, we were hounded out of our hometown. So we had to move from our hometown simply because we used the gift of tongues and I prophesied. And what I've, what I've kind of discerned in recent times is it's not really been that big a battle after that for people. But now it's like it's waning and people aren't really using it much. So they might be in a, ser a service and they might kind of, or a prayer meeting and they might kind of have a little, a little time of praying in tongues. But when they're at home and they're praying, they're not doing it anymore. 
And I want to exhort you not to let go of what's been won. Not to let go of what has been fought for because if you understand it properly, once you speak in tongues, then you can do it. And so you can start off, and it's kind of in the flesh really because you can do it. You can start going, simply because you can do it. But if you get in a prayer time and you really, really pray, you, you then break through into a spiritual realm. And you can, you can all kind of sit there and hear me, but we're going to do this together later. Because Raj says you're up for anything. <laughs> but I want you to recognise, you know, the Bible says that right now, as we sit here, Jesus is interceding before the throne on our behalf. But in Romans we're told that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us as well. And do you know how he does that? Through you and I when we pray in tongues. Intercession. <coughs> we are praying exactly what we need to pray. So if we are praying for some difficult situation, we will be interceding about that situation in a way that can bring breakthrough without our even understanding what we're saying. If we are praying for... Uh, a person that's going through a real tough time, we can be interceding for them in a way that is opening doors that we can't see. But not only that, if you yourself are going through a really difficult time, it's one of the ways that you can build yourself up. So it talks in the Bible about keeping yourself in the love of God. And Jude 20 says, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. So how do I build myself up in my faith when all my circumstances around me are really, really tough? I go beyond that point to the place where the Holy Spirit is interceding for me through my speaking tongues. And you know, there's been times when life has been so tough that I just can't pray. I don't know how to pray. But I get before God and I'm in tongues and then it might be two or three hours, but I, I know a point of something lifting. I know a point of breakthrough. I know that, okay, so nothing's changed, but something in me's changed. I can face this now. I can walk through this now. It's also uh, something that opens the door to all the other gifts. The prophetic comes in through it. No? And gifts of faith come through it. it. It kind of opens our faith, it builds us up in faith to a point where other gifts come. So I just want to exhort you not to let go of that. The Holy Spirit is our helper, our comforter, and let's give room for Him to work in our lives by using the gift of tongues in our private prayer lives far more than we have done. So, what about the gift of prophecy? Well, as we understand something of the big picture of what the Bible says, well, this is going to help us kind of catch God's heart for the church, this faith community that we're all part of. So, typically what happens is people get interested in the gift of prophecy and then they start going to the book of Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Daniel, and then they start losing themselves in all these visions and wheels within wheels, and before you know where you are, it's like, am I on earth? Am I in heaven? Am I kind of lining myself up to need some mental health treatment? <laughs> <laughs> but no, what happens is we can dwell too much in these Old Testament books, because 
The thing is, if we immerse ourselves just in the Old Testament prophetic books, we can end up with a wrong understanding of what the prophetic is like and how it should be used. And too much emphasis on the Old Testament prophetic scriptures can mean that we get hold of the idea that we become a spokesperson to or for the church. Because that's how it was in the Old Testament. The prophet came out of nowhere in the wilderness, kind of lived on his own in a cave in the wilderness, eating locusts and honey, being a spokesperson to God's people. But if we have this kind of Old Testament view of ourselves, seeing ourselves as being separate from the rest, set apart to speak to this people or this person, as if we've got something that they don't have, then obviously we've been subtly distracted from the task. Because actually, as I said earlier, we're all a prophetic people. We're not in the Old Testament, Old Covenant. We're in a New Testament, New Better Covenant. Right? We're all a prophetic people, as I said earlier, simply because of who we are, church. Each one of us lives in a fallen world as a prophetic voice to this world. So each one of us has an effect on the community around us. So, you know, I'm no evangelist, but because this lives in me, I will just go for it. So I was getting a new mobile phone a couple of weeks since and ended up having this fantastic conversation with the guy who was trying to sell me the phone. But, I mean, he was asking half the question about what Christian is, about what God is, about what it means um, to be free in the spirit. Um, about what legalism and tradition does and what the spirit does in bringing liberty and you know why am I doing that? Because I'm part of this prophetic people that's got a message for the world and that's what God's catching all of us up in so we don't want this Old Testament view of ourselves it's good to come to understand that all that's in these prophetic books is actually setting a scene for what is unfolded and revealed in the New Testament. This better covenant where the prophetic person is no longer a lone figure but an integrated member of a whole. And so then we recognise that we're just one other body, not a spokesperson to it. Um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, now you are all Christ's body and individually members of it. So we start from this premise of being one of a body rather than one and a body. There's no me and them, but a whole of which I am a part. And as I said right at the beginning, all the gifts, including prophecy, are acts of service within the church. So it's not about me being a spokesperson, it's about me being part of this whole, serving this whole body. And if God's heart is for the church, then consequently, much of the revelation that we receive, whether it comes through in prophecy or some other way, will be for the building up and the encouraging of that church and primarily for the expression of it that I'm a part of and knitted into. So for you here, for Jubilee Teesside. Again, Paul says in Corinthians, everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement and comfort. 
So it's good to learn to hear the revelation that's given to us as in some way being for the church and some way for the benefit of others. It's not for my benefit to give me some kind of spiritual stature. You know, I'm the prophet. I don't need to wash the dishes. <coughs> because my ministry is the prophetic. No, I don't need to stack the chairs. Someone else does that bit. I'm the prophet. No, it's not like that. It's not to give me any stature. It's learning to share revelation in a way in which the church is encouraged. Not telling people off in prophecy or singling people out in a judgmental way. You know, if you hear that, you can just dismiss it straight away because God doesn't do it like that. But we learn to bring it in a way that truly builds up. You know, prophecy in the church context prepares the ground. It prepares the ground for what God wants to do. It creates an expectancy for what he's going to do next among us. It creates faith to see that thing happen among us. Or it can sustain a people through difficult times. You know, some of the things that I've brought to my particular church in Sheffield have sustained us through very difficult times because we've kind of had this thing and then when something's hit us, we've, yeah, well, actually, God spoke to us about that and he's held us. And gosh, you know, he's with us to, to kind of tell us that that's coming and he's with us. And it's brought comfort and it's brought encouragement. And it's helped us in our time of need in a way that's truly built us up and caused us all to be able to hang on to our faith when without that we might have had shipwrecks amongst us. That's what a prophetic does. So it's not just about where individuals are at, but what God wants for those individuals in their particular church, even in their movement or nation. And prophecy, even to individuals, will have a body context to it. Yeah? There'll be some way, if it's come to you as an individual, that that that's your destiny in that prophetic realm is affecting the destiny of the whole. You know when God came and spoke to Joseph and gave him these dreams, maybe, we don't really know what Joseph's character was like, do we? But maybe he was a bit arrogant at that point. You know, I have had this dream where you're all bowing down to me. <laughs> but his destiny was worked out in the context of the destiny of the people of Israel wasn't an isolated thing. It wasn't all about Joseph. In fact, it was wider than the people of Israel. He saved the people of Egypt as well. And so we, we see that our prophesying and our bringing things to encourage one another builds us up in a context of God building up the community. And churches have different things written over them. So some things in some churches, it's about being involved in social outreach. For other churches, it might be about church planting. For others, about teaching bases, whatever, whatever. God sort of have seemed to have certain kind of destinies over different groups of people 
for the way in which he's using them in his kingdom and the way that the kingdom advances through that group. So I want to kind of come to a close now by starting to ask you some questions. Where are you going as a church? What is God's heart for this expression of church here in Jubilee Teesside? What is he saying is next on the agenda for the church here? What, what is he saying about how you move forward to the things that, you know, you may have got big visions that are out there on the horizon, but what is he saying about the next step towards that? And you can expect the Holy Spirit to influence and confirm the vision written over your church. And as you step out in the gifts he's given you, you can expect as well to hear him speak about these things, to hear him saying, well, it's time to kind of turn this way now, or it's time to bring this into play now. Because none of us, even though we might have got this big generalised vision, none of us see step by step how it's going to work. But God will kind of start opening things up and showing us the next bit and then the next bit. So let's be expectant to hear what he is saying to us. Let's be prepared to step out in how he speaks to us. Let's be prepared to have faith and seek God to speak to us, not just to give us a word so we can say we've had one, but because we, we have on our heart all the elements of our church life, whatever they are for you as a group. And because we want to expect to hear God speak through one another. You know, it's easy to ask someone like me to come in and think, right, this person is going to bring God's word to us. But I want to turn it around and say, if I do my job properly, you will hear God's word for you. That's right. yeah? So, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we're going to do an exercise. Yeah, blame Raj if you don't like it. And we're going to hear God together. And I'm saying we are going to hear God together because I'm in faith that we will. And maybe we'll have a bit of worship towards the end of that. Just giving Andy a bit of warning then. Because I want us to kind of when we've done this, finish on the realisation that, yeah, God has spoken to us. You know? Um, so what we're going to do, and I think it would be good, Raj, if we just got rid of some of these chairs, and if you've got to sit down, if you, if you can't stand, fair enough, you know, it's not about rules, but if we can make space, just maybe have a few chairs around the edge or something and pile some of them up. Because the Lord 
has anointed you to bring good news to the afflicted. He's sending you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favourable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of your God. He's sending you to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion a garland instead of ashes. He's sending you to give out the oil of gladness instead of mourning. He's sending you out with a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. And tonight I believe he's saying, those of you who have felt on the verge of fainting, he's letting a mantle of praise descend again. And you will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and he, your God, will be glorified. But you will build up ancient ruins. And you will raise up things that have been devastated. And you're going to repair that that's been broken down. And things that have been desolated for many generations, you're going to bring back to wholeness. <laughs> Foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers. And you will be called priests of the Lord. And you will be spoken of as ministers of your God. You will draw the wealth of nations among you. And in your midst, instead of shame, there will be a double portion. In your midst, instead of humiliation, there will be shouts of joy. There will be a possession of double portions in this place. The Lord your God will bring justice for people in your community. And he will give people that that is rightfully theirs. I just feel like I've been seeing this people that I've just been reading about, you, kind of hidden. You know when it says we don't hide a light under a bucket or whatever the old-fashioned term was. You don't light a light and then cover it. I feel like the covering's coming off something tonight. And it's going to be seen, it's going to be released in a way that it hasn't prior. And I also feel that um, there's something that's been kind of, you've been pushing for and wanting to see and yet something's kind of, in a way, kept you in this place of not quite reaching it. And it's something to do with the British decorum, despite having all these nations among you. And I feel that God wants to break through that and take you into a new place of expectancy for the miraculous. Mm-hmm. Expectancy for that that only God can do. And Sarush, and, and your wife, Baresh, was it? Sorry, Maresh. I feel that God wants to rekindle in you that that you've known of the supernatural. When I talked about we are just we are just natural beings and ordinary, but we have a supernatural God who does extraordinary things. You have known something of that in your lives, and I believe you are to let that be rekindled and reawakened in you, and you are to be 
the ones who will lead this people in an expectancy to see supernatural happenings, God doing something. And where others are going to say that's unreasonable, you will say, but with our God, it's possible. Where others say that's not possible, you're going to say, but with our God, it's possible. And guys, you need to hear that. Because God wants you to break through into a level of something that as yet you've not known, you've tasted and you've seen bits. But it's like a key's being unlocked, something's being lifted tonight. And the guy in the black t-shirt, I think, did you say on? No, you've just turned around and looked. You! (laughs) I can't remember if your name was Dennis. But I just felt that, you know, like Peter in the boat, we sat there saying, if you tell me to walk on the water, I'll come. I felt that, God, you've been like that in your heart. You've been saying, God, I'll, I'll do, I'll push out. You'll just tell me and I'll do it. I feel like God's saying tonight, get out the boat. Get out the boat and do it. It's time. Yeah? And, and so it's time for you to be something and be released into something. And I, I don't know what's on these bits of paper because I, it's not come from me, it's come from you. But I believe... God's got something in these bits of paper that's about where you're going next. Go back over to Raj. Now, for those of you who don't know, Ginny doesn't know how funny that what she just shared is with us, as well as fairly inspiring. Right, so we haven't had a chat in the car. Well, we did. I'll tell you afterwards. I'll tell you afterwards. Ginny has no idea. Okay. And I just feel really, that's been, just hearing that to start with, that is real faith inspiring for the future, isn't it? That is real. God's word hasn't changed. God's word hasn't changed. It's just grown bigger. Tonight. Okay. I'm going to pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that you are a speaking God, that you are a loving God, that God with vision, that you reveal things. Thank you, Lord, that you're a God of grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you have a purpose. And we pray, Lord God, we pray, Lord God, that we'll be obedient, just like Peter after the Lord. We pray, Lord God, that we'll be Peter's following you, stepping yes. out of the boat, yes, looking to you like Abraham, full of faith, knowing and seeing what he can see ahead. Pray, Lord God, that will be like David, a people of worship, worship, knowing that the nations will come uh, through him. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you will love us, keep speaking to us, keep giving the boldness and confidence to step out in the miraculous and the supernatural, uh, knowing you are the great God, that God that we read out of Daniel this morning, that Jesus. Amen. 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 Go. Thank you, Jimmy.